With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are not good. What? We are not good, Chef. Nope. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hit it in the corner! Why the f*** do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie, or Hog, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Um, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, man, how, how you doing? Um, Coach Dicker versus a hurricane. Who would win? Dick, uh, Dick, Dick, uh, Dick, Dick, Dick. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the hurricane is Hurricane Dick. Here they are, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in a Bears win. Johns, his team is four and four in their last eight. They're hot. I mean, this qualifies as hot for the Bears, I think, in an eight-game stretch. Uh, I was going to say, okay, define yeah. hot there, but yeah, Given what we've covered, yeah, they're on fire. <laughs> on fire. Um, um, I obviously have thoughts on this game. I'm very curious what our perspectives are like watching this thing. I, of course, watched it on TV with uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman occasionally laughing at what they were watching and calling. Uh, you were in the press box in an awesome stadium and kind of could soak in what I have to imagine was a very frustrated Vikings crowd for most of this game because the Vikings really did not play well and really um, didn't deserve to win this game. Not that the Bears necessarily ran away with it by any means, but uh, just you're in the locker room. What was it like? How do you feel like the Bears took took this win? Did they feel good about it? I because I don't I don't really know what to make of it. It was you don't score a touchdown, but you win. I guess that's good. No, you, you take it. They had three of them before today. And like you said, they are four and four in their last eight games. I guess here's the scene. You come down uh, in, into the uh, the field level of U.S. Bank Stadium. And as you get closer to the Bears locker room, you could hear the music. It was loud, louder than it like usually is. Like they had that thing fully blasting. I'm not sure if the walls are just thin or the doors are just there's just fewer of them, but it was loud and you could hear it. And then it goes silent and then it starts up again. I think that's what surprised me is that usually after the coach gives the speech, you know, everyone goes their separate ways. Players get ready to go home. Uh, they rush to the showers. They know the media is coming in, but the bears dance and partied again. So to answer your question about how they feel about this, well, I think they feel very happy. And I think especially in defense, maybe you should celebrate this. Um, NFL wins are hard to come by, but to your point, when it's a 12 to 10 win, how much celebration do you need? But that's us on the outside looking in, you know, obviously in that room, they're very happy about what happened against the Vikings. Now, when it comes to fields, and I think we'll talk a little bit about what this means for them, but, um, 
I'm just curious how he took it or how he analyzed his his performance post game. Um, because I could tell you after that second fumble, him walking off the field. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie, he looked crushed. And and from what I gathered from some of his comments post game too, I think he understood the magnitude of perhaps what that fumble meant, not only in this game, but perhaps the future uh, of his Bears career. And yet he comes back and he does deliver the big throw to DJ Moore to get the win. And I have to imagine there's got to be some relief in there, um, it, at, given how that fourth quarter was playing out, to finally make that big play, as Kevin Fishbane so uh, perfectly put it in his story on The Athletic. This whole idea of having those 12 opportunities uh, late in games and scoring zero points uh, before tonight. So to get that, even if it was just three, it was a big three points. So I have to imagine there's some relief. And I think it's like everything that built up until that last drive, right? It's the Bears defense playing absolutely outstanding. And I, and I get it. They're playing against Josh Dobbs, not Kirk Cousins. There isn't Justin Jefferson out there. Like, I, I get all that. But like... They had a winning record coming to this game for a reason. Josh Dobbs has won football games, and it's you got to, you know, if they're missing their star players, you need to make them miss their star players in, in a way here. So I think everything kind of led to that, to that fourth quarter where you had four takeaways by the Bears defense. The Bears offense and Justin Fields only scored three points off those four takeaways. And then you have the two fumbles by Justin Fields, and you feel like everything's falling apart. But then the defense, after that second fumble, delivers that uh, a three and out, right? Run, run, pass. Um, the Bears expected what the Vikings were going to do, and, and they stopped it. But that was just a continuation of the success I thought the defense was having throughout the game. They came up in a big moment, and they gave Justin Fields that opportunity with, what, two-something left, and he delivered. Did not look, did not look good you know, in a couple of plays leading up to that. That throw to DJ Moore, but I think Kevin and I were talking in the press box just to get into field goal range for Cairo Santos. I think he only had to drive the ball 24 yards. 24 yards. I think it's going from, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but 24, 20, I think it was 28 yards to get into Santos' field goal range. And obviously he did a little bit better than that. So that had well, to be a great moment for him. Well, and, and to that point, like that's, I, I mean, I, I was uh, I was pretty frustrated with a lot of the play calling tonight. And to be honest, I I've, I know people have been on Getzy all year. I, I really haven't been too much, but this was just the amount of screens and everything being left, right, left, right, left, right. And I thought even in that last drive, like all of a sudden they went so vertical, if that makes sense. Like, and they didn't need to. They had plenty of time. Like you could have still dinked and dunked your way down the field in that moment. Just get into a hurry up, even in the middle of the field. I know they were, um, I don't, they think they still had one timeout at that point and eventually they got down to zero, but it's, it's still, it felt like they're making things harder than it needed to be. And then finally, Justin, after back-to-back -back plays where he's just, holding on for dear life and trying to throw the ball away. And by the way, on the Viking side of things, they thought one of those was an intentional grounding call that uh, wasn't called because he was still in the pocket, which might have been a valid gripe. Um, finally, he just says, F it. I'm going to make this big throw to DJ Moore. And um, they finally took advantage of some soft coverage on on their best player. But in credit, I mean, no one's taking anything away from Justin Fields here. He made that big throw. 
uh, to his best player, which we've all been screaming, go to your best players in crunch time. And he did it. So, I mean, how big of a moment, how big of a win do you think this is for Justin Fields? Well, let's see if he can build off of it, right? Like last week against the Lions. Like, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't blame him for that one. That was on the defense. For as good as the defense played, you need the defense to step up in big moments against the Lions. Like, Justin Fields did enough, I thought, in coming back from injury to, to give the Bears a victory against the Lions. I think I'm on record with that. Like, but, but this game, like, yeah, he made that one throw, right? But now I want to see more of it, well, against next week against the Lions. Let's see if he can do what he did in, in their first meeting. Like, it's building off that success he had last time. It's, it's finding those plays in those, in those big moments again and again and again. Um, like, as we're watching this, game you know where, where the press box is right you're in that like angled view from like the corner of the end zone and you can almost see like the screen calls before the screen calls are actually like run right you see all the the blitz looks that the vikings are gonna are gonna give you and then like you can almost can hear. I stop you for one second yeah all right that just apologize for interrupting but if you can see it from the press box and that quarter angle <laughs> do you think the vikings coaches that are upstairs in their press box spot can see their 50 yard line viewpoint i'm just (laughs) maybe maybe after like the 17th one maybe they see it coming i'm just saying sorry continue what you were saying and then you can almost like hear what they're going to say after the game well the vikings you know that they come after quarterbacks got to get the ball quick we tried to get the ball to our playmakers and you can sit there be like okay like yeah that makes sense but then matt eberflus said something after the game where like like so, he acknowledges the the quick screen game, right? You have to get the ball out quick. Everything I just said there, but then he goes. The other option is you go max protect, and you have like two man routes, two man route concepts up there, and you take your shots. I did not see that like at all. Like, okay, fine, say that. Then let's let let's blend what you're saying together. Let's do these screen calls. You know, you know me. It, I hate to say it though, but that's see, just like, an admission. They don't trust Fields to get rid of the ball quick enough. Then, yeah, which which is fine. You know, yeah. maybe Luke Getzey with a few beers in him would, would say that or something like that. But like, I get it, but to a point, you have a yeah. quarterback who who, is, who excels at pushing the ball down the field. Maybe give him a couple opportunities to actually do that in the game, instead of late in the game when you need him to do it in the most important moments. Of this game, yeah, I'm not saying that. I, I, I'm just saying there were a handful of moments where me, not offensive expert, but I feel like I know, you know, some things about coverages and what routes can be run, just like you do. Special teams expert, go ahead. <laughs> but like, I'll give you one example: third and two, they're driving into the red zone. I think it was third quarter, and they have a bunch set. They have trips to the right in a bunch set. Okay, and they had basically two defenders over there plus obviously the safety has to run and cover somebody if they run something vertically if that makes sense because the, the safety is the third defender over there so he has to cover he has to be assigned to that third receiver that's in that bunch and so I'm thinking pre-snap right there that if they run any type of vertical route there the safety has to run out and if the two other receivers just run any type of switch release underneath, maybe one's a slat, one's a flat, one of them's going to be open easily, or the vertical one's going to be. Like, it's not that hard of a read, and it's third and two. So it's just, 
And instead, what did they run? They just ran a screen with the two small wide receivers trying to block. And, and it's just like, you've seen it a hundred times. When's the moment where you run something else off of it? And I thought that was the moment. Like I thought yeah, pre-snap, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at this. I'm going, this is the moment. They're either going to get a touchdown or the easiest first down ever right here. And no, they just go back to the screen and they get stopped short and they didn't get it. And I think they kicked a field goal there. I think if we're talking about the same possession, Kevin Fishbane says to me, seated in the press box, as they're coming into the end zone that we're seated in, like, isn't this like a great opportunity to take a shot just in terms of where their field position is? And I'm thinking to myself, well, they're running all these screens. When are, When's it like the the fake screen deep shot when's the, when's the payoff coming, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, fine, call these screens, but you know, like set that up in, into something else. You know, I'm almost about to quote Matt Nagy, who who always talk about building plays off of plays, but you know, we don't we all know how, how that went towards the end. But that's what you're looking for. Build something off this play, right? Like where's the uh, like you said, where, where's the payoff? Where's the shot play? Where's that big arm throw that you want to see from Justin Fields, like down the seam to Cole Kamada, even Darnell Mooney who deserves some type of an award today for all the uh, <laughs> blocking he did on screens and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, that guy's a warrior. Um, again, like what, one target again for him? No, two targets. One he almost got killed on um, <laughs> on a late high throw, uh, and and then he's just blocking his ass off the rest of the game. So I want to ask you this. You had an interesting tweet after the game. Um, ESPN showed a video of Flus talking to the team, addressing the team in the locker room. You mentioned in your tweet how Kevin Warren can be seen right there. I think Ryan Poles was there too, right? You said, but Kevin Warren's right there and he's nodding his head as Flus is uh, talking. What did you make of that? You know, it wasn't so much the nodding, but if you zoom in, it's the smile there from Kevin Warren. And, and I'm sure there's some satisfaction from him in terms of beating his former team. Like, I get that. Like, he built that beautiful stadium, and his new team just beat his old team. There's always some... Um, there's a sense of pride when that happens, correct? But mm-hmm. then it's just like the whole visual of it, right? This is a 4-4 four and four football team in their past eight games. Four wins in the entire season. The outside noise is loud. Very, very loud. And you have Matt Eberflus with Ryan Poles on his side with Kevin Warren, not just like in the background listening, but like front and center next to Jalen Johnson, one of your best players in the game, one of your best players on the team right there. Like that felt notable to me, almost like purposeful that they showed that after that game, like after this victory. Then the ball is handed to Fields and like they have a nice moment in a a moment that I think Justin Fields needed more than anyone. But just the visual of... Eberflus, Poles, Warren, and Fields there. It felt purposeful in a way. You could read into it in any way you want, but to me, it felt important, at least for right now. It's Tuesday here in Minneapolis, you know, November 28th. Like it, it felt like everybody's still on the same page about what's happening currently at, at Alice Hall. Can I point out one observation, though? Go ahead. That I almost feel like is more notable. Did you see it? Which one? I, I feel like I'm about to turn into the security guy in draft day. That's like, guess who didn't come to his birthday party? <laughs> Did you notice DeMarcus Walker in that video? No. Fluce is addressing the team. DeMar- 
Demarcus Walker is doing this on his phone. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that I've analyzed every coaching speech in the postgame locker room ever. Uh, you know, and and so I'm sure I've missed moments like this before. But I certainly don't remember off the top of my head a player just scrolling through his phone while the head coach is giving his big locker room speech after a win. Especially after a win. So I'm not trying to make too much of that, but if we're going to bring up all the other stuff, which I think is completely fair that you brought up and Kevin Warren's presence and all there, and that's all fair. I think we also have to bring up the other side of this, that one of their leaders on the team, and maybe it's just the coach in me who's like annoyed that a player wouldn't be listening to the head coach talking, but I just, I, that's what stood out the most to me in that video that I was like, wait a minute, is he on his phone during the victory speech? I, I just, I don't know that I've ever seen that before. I guess my counter to that is actually hearing like Eberflus's messages still coming out through some of the players, such as like TJ Edwards, such as Jaquan Brisker. Like they're still repeating and even quoting, you know, like Jaquan Brisker, like Flus said, like that's what he said. They're still repeating what he says. And I think I've said this on this podcast before. I think it's always a good sign when those messages are shared, who knows, you know, some of us just can't help being on our phones anymore. <laughs> so maybe he was yeah, trying I'm to sure. get like to, to, to video to, to shoot the whole thing, but maybe it, 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 that's actually, that's very possible. And, and, and certainly my wife would be watching this right now being like, well, wait a minute. How many times have I given a speech where you're just sitting there on your phone, not paying attention? So, Is that what you call what happens at your house when you're not just talking to your wife or getting speeches? <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm getting talked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, we've all been there. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Oh, I know. Um, usually, usually, it's, it's usually, usually they're not they're not victory speeches either. <laughs> no, no. I like how you just. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever gotten a victory speech. Not honey, you can it. stop listening to the podcast at this point, please. <laughs> It's late. We are, we yeah, are creeping so, on. Oh, we are way after one o'clock. Yes, yeah, okay. so we're going down a path that I'm. I'm sure you don't want to listen to at, at this point in the night. But that's a good observation. I think I, the, the toughest thing about covering a team like this now is that, like, you try to base off, like, you see things like that, and you try to make, I don't know, educated guesses in a sense. Is that way a good way to put it? Yeah, and and like about what's happening, what's everybody thinking? Like there was that shot of Ryan Poles, like he didn't seem very enthused by what he was watching offensively. When he was like going like this, like yes, come on, like let's keep like, yeah I, over I, and over I, and over. Well, and that's what I get back to. It's like like at some point, let's use some common sense here, okay? When your game on national television. On Monday Night Football, that again, and, I, and again, I'm coming from the perspective who watched it on TV, right? So, and I'm kind of, but you saw it on Twitter too, I'm sure, during the game. Like, this was one of those games that both teams are being made fun of in the moment. And I, yesterday, I tweeted towards the end of the Eagles Bills game, like, this has to be the game of the year, right? To this point, like the best football game we've seen in the NFL, and this one felt like the opposite, right? And and so I, I I guess the point is like if everyone else is seeing that, 
I can't imagine the GM sitting up there in the booth thrilled with what he's consuming. And it's almost worrisome if he is, if he's just walking out of here like, hey, I got the win. So, you know, like in the middle of all that, and I think at that one point where they showed that shot, Johns, they were actually winning at that point. I think that was before they they gave up the lead. Um, Will you tell me you watched the broadcast? Was that yeah. during like screen 15 or screen 20 that was called by the Bears offense? <laughs> I I actually think it was after a couple runs that that they called where they finally – uh, my interpretation of it, without going back and kind of watching it again, was they hit on a couple of runs, and they weren't necessarily huge, but then they cut to poles. And again, this is going back to what you were just saying, like trying to read everybody's body language and, and lips and things like that. It's a dangerous game. But I got the sense where he was just like, yeah, come on. Like, let's again, let's again, do more again. of this. Yeah. Um, it with, which, with maybe just a touch of sarcasm and slight annoyance in there, maybe. Um, but again, it's... And this gets back to, so I want to get your take on this because I have to say, I don't know in all the years I've covered this team that I've had a harder time reading the room than this season. And I think part of it is the fact that there does seem to be tangible progress in some areas. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of complaining or fighting. Um, I think that's probably reflected in what you were just talking about with the guys repeating Flus's messages after the game. And yet, in the in the quarterback storyline too, where do they stand on Justin Fields? What It's just a very unique situation to have a quarterback as talented as Justin to also have what might be the first pick in the draft and, oh, by the way, maybe another top five pick. It's just a very unique situation, and I think – oh, oh, and by the way, they have this powerful new team president that's come in that basically no one has any idea what he might be thinking, right? So of all the years I've covered this team, that's where I'm at. I, I'm, I am genuinely confused and feel like on a daily basis – in my own head, I flip-flop on what I think the future might be. Where where do you stand on that? I feel like what surprised me the most about this team, and maybe it's the youth. Like That's the best explanation I could give. But when you walk into that room, like not like on game days, because game days could be full of all sorts of different emotions, right? But like when you walk into that room during the work week, Talking about the room at House Hall, that locker room, just how loose it is, mm-hmm. how many smiles there are, the music playing, guys goofing around with each other, more than enough willing players to engage with the media, multiple interviews being being done throughout the room. I feel like that stood out, has stood out to me the most. And you know, some days are better than others, um, but to consistently. Well, just to, to see some of that, like it was nothing like the end of the lovey days or the end of the Mark Tressman days where you walked into that locker room and it was completely empty. This new house hall has more places to hide than the previous house hall, right? There's just more rooms. Of, there's a cafeteria, unlike the previous house hall. There's a, a better weight room. There's a player's lounge. There are so many more areas for players to hang out. But they're all in that locker room, engaging with each other, engaging with us. And that's always felt notable to me because of how bad this season seems to be. I know that's what we're left to, to interpret, but 
if I'm basing it off my experience, like this is nothing like previous locker rooms where you walk in and the place is just empty. Nobody wants to talk about anything. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box Watching the game later with your friends, maybe get a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan Johns polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I also, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to picture Black Monday. And since you brought up the end of the Lovey era, I also, hypothetically, let's say the Bears fire Maddie Refluse on Black Monday. I don't get the feeling that that would necessarily be a completely heartbroken locker room. Is that fair? It's and I'm not to say that they're gonna be happy about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I, sure I, of that comparison I, though, but like because I still remember you were there. Like yeah. Lovey gets fired. We walk in there not long after the news breaks, and Devin Hester is in tears. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm getting at is if you're Kevin Warren and you're trying to read your own room too, I feel like this where this roster's at, where this team is at, is one 
They're still young enough, has high enough character that would be more enthused by potential change with a again, let's just like I did on Friday's show. Let's throw the hiring of Jim Harbaugh out there. Again, I'm just hypothetically. Whatever heartbreak over losing Matt Eberflus, I feel like would be quickly replaced by excitement of where a new coach could take them to the next level. It, it like it, uh, possibly a comparison is David Ross to Craig Council type situation, right? Where like guys in that locker room are probably like, oh, we love David Ross, but at the same time, wow, damn, this is a big type. This is a big move. This can take us to the next next level. Whereas like where that team was at when they fired Lovey. And I, I say this all the time, like like Bruce Arians obviously would have been a much, much better hire and should have been the hire. But I don't think it would have been a cakewalk for him trying to win over those guys either, especially on the defensive side of the football. No, but he probably had a better chance than Mark Trestman. Um, oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> there was such a shock in that locker room after Lovey Smith's firing. I mean, they went 10-6 and six that season, 10-6. and six. And I feel like a lot of players felt like they left or they they let Lovey Smith down by the end of it. Yeah. Right? You you had that sense. I think it was in Detroit. Right? They had it to beat the Lions. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, they won the game, and then I believe uh, we watched in the Detroit airport the uh, result of the Vikings-Packers game knocked the Bears out. Yeah, and that was it. So, I mean, that's a tough comparison. Um, For talking like two-year stints, like Mark Tressman was gone in two years, but we knew that situation was untenable. Mm-hmm. Untenable. Like that locker room was coming in on itself. This locker room, like I have no sense of that whatsoever. And I know we're comparing it to previous regimes, and some of this is this is unfair, but this is Bears history. This is what we've covered. Like, I don't feel like no one was heartbroken over that loss. Like Mark Tressman, right? Like, is that what you're trying to get at i i guess what i'm getting at is no to your point i mean that they left the emory trustman situation was so bad that the mccaskey george mccaskey had no choice ted phillips george mccaskey they had no choice they had to make a change there um i don't necessarily think this is that situation as much as fans are you know wanting to see change i i do think that it's 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 a much more nuanced conversation but this gets back to Kevin Warren. Does Kevin Warren look at this differently than maybe Ted Phillips did in that year they probably should have let Nagy and Pace go before they drafted Justin Fields? Is he going to look at this situation differently and say, okay, great win. I'm fired up that we beat my old team, the Vikings. Thank you for doing that. Finally got that NFC North win. But okay, let's break this down to what it really was. And there's still major issues here that need to be cleaned up before you can really feel good about the direction and try to project this thing going to a whole new level with the same coaching staff next year. I and I don't know the answer to that. I guess that's what I, yeah, I guess yeah. that's what I'm getting at. I don't know. And truthfully. I'm starting to wonder whether or not you're going to get those answers over the next five weeks. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I, you may have what some answers did you get tonight? Like this. 
Yeah. The answers I got tonight is, is I think the defense is onto something. Like I've seen enough this week, last week, the week before that. The Chargers game was bad. But over the past, like you said, eight weeks, like since that Chiefs game, there's been enough tangible progress to me that something's happening defensively. Maybe it's Matt Eberflus just being a better defensive coordinator than coach. Maybe it's the health of the team. Like Eberflus mentioned today, maybe it's young players like Javon Dexter, Jaquan Brisker, and Kyler Gordon getting better. It's adding Montez Sweat. But something good is happening defensively. Is it enough for more wins? We'll see. But it was enough to beat Josh Dobbs tonight. It was enough to, to put a scare in the Lions a week ago. I agree with you. I don't think there's anyone that can make an argument the other way. Um, and I want to give Flus credit for dialing up more and more pressure as this game went along. He correctly diagnosed that that was messing with Josh Dobbs, and he increased it. There was one sequence where they blitzed almost every play on a drive. They were bringing, I think they brought six at one point. Like, good job. All that being said, the record is still the record with the wins that they've gotten. Look at the quarterbacks they've played. And I think it's also fair to ask the question, if Kirk Cousins is playing tonight, who wins the football game? Well, maybe the I, I mean, Vikings. That, and again, I'm not I'm not trying to I'm I'm just I'm, yeah. I'm I'm trying to make the point this is part of why this thing is so hard to diagnose. Because I agree with you. I think that is an answer we're getting. I think the defensive line is getting better each and every week. I think the Montez sweat trade was great. Javon Dexter, shout out to Javon Dexter. He is turning this thing around. But why did it take so long to play him more, right? Like, what week yeah, was it where yeah. he had 14 snaps a few weeks ago? Now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, we should probably play him more. And now he's playing better. So these are some of the things that it's just, like, not black and white at all. And you're still kind of left scratching your head about some of this stuff. You know, if you look back at it, though, the Vikings with Kirk Cousins only beat the Bears 19-13 to the last time they played. And the Bears did go 2-2 two and two with... An undrafted Division II quarterback. Yep. Right. I feel like that's just a it's gonna linger as part of the conversation, like in terms of like the full team evaluation, like all the way to the end. Like, hey, you went two and two with a undrafted rookie. I, I don't care if those two wins were against Bryce Young and Brian Hoyer. Still means something. It does. These games all mean something. Um, like I said on our pregame show on CHGO today, like there's still a piece of the pie to me that is a scenario in which Matt Eberflus can save his job. Um, I do think that sometimes, especially in this situation, the view inside the walls of Hallis Hall could be different than how everything's perceived outside. Um, and it's going to be, you know, you got a bye week now, and then you got to play the Lions again. And what does it look like against the Lions? What does it look like against a Browns team that has a good defense? But can you imagine losing PJ Walker? I mean, I'm just throwing out random scenarios here. And then on the flip side, they go into Green Bay and they beat the Packers finally for the first time in five years. Oh, they do that. Everybody's coming back. Right, right. Like, I, you, I don't, is George McCaskey going to fire somebody after beating the Packers? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I, I know we're, we're saying goodbye here, but that was like my one thought. Like, if they beat the Packers, there is no way George is walking in the building on Monday saying right. we got to fire everybody. No, <laughs> no, it's okay. No, no, you full steam ahead. Full, 
you at least get the 48 hour valuation like they did uh, uh, in after the uh, 2000 uh, the 2020 season when they decided to keep everybody. Um, all right. Well, it is a win. It's the Bears' first win without a touchdown since 1993, Johns. It's the only. Wow. It's the only team. Uh, the Bears are the only team this season that have won a game in the NFL without scoring a touchdown. Um, which is why I always say kickers are the real offense. <laughs> and that's also the first time I've ever said that in my life. So I don't always say that, but uh, good for Cairo Santos, who did miss he a missed field goal. One. Tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're allowed to miss one every once in a while. That's true. Back off, Cairo. Six for six from beyond 50 yards this year. That's pretty impressive. 55-yarder was. You can make an argument he's in the conversation for, like, third best kicker in the league. I don't know. Maybe I have to do kicker rankings. But I'd still put Justin Tucker and and uh, Jake Elliott. Do I have to be part of that podcast? Uh, no, we'll do that with we'll, we'll do that without you. <laughs> I'll do it with... Uh, I'll do it with... with you know, Kevin appreciates special. Nick wrote a whole story on Cairo Santos and almost jinxed that, him. Then he missed a field goal tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm tired. It's been a lot of talking today, and it is very late. Uh, Johns is in his hotel in Minnesota flying back tomorrow. And um, hope you enjoyed this postgame show. We have a... Uh, a uh, special episode coming up Wednesday, heading into the bye week. We're very excited about. We're going to zoom out a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about the draft uh, now that the uh, regular season in college football is over, and the Bears holding the draft capital. They do so. That'll be a little bit of a bye week episode for you. And then uh, we're going to get some time to uh, relax too. Coming up here this weekend with a Bears list week and. Um, See where things stand in the big picture. So uh, make sure you read all Johnsy's coverage in The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you go to subscribe. And uh, you guys had the whole crew out there uh, in, in Minnesota. Why is it that Greenberg always makes the Minnesota trip? I think he just likes this town. I think so, too. It's the, he always makes that trip. He likes the stadium. Okay. It's interesting. Read his column tomorrow on Theathletic.com. It's all in the athletic, and then uh, you can get all our coverage at allchgo.com. Podcast there available for you as well. Get all of our merch here at Hogan Johns on hoganjohns.com. And um, we appreciate you very much for listening, watching. Hit uh, the subscribe button on YouTube. Hit the like button. Please rate and review the pod if you're listening that way. And uh, most importantly, shoot the link off to a friend. We will be back Wednesday morning with a new episode as we head into the bye. So a little bit of a different schedule this week, but we'll hit you up with a nice, good, long episode before the bye week uh, coming up on Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. We will talk to you then. Yeah. We see what was up your sleeve? Or- I don't know. What's up yours?